0: Schmaltz's Sandwich Shop, Time Manufacturing, and UBO Business Services. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Matt Mosley.
1: It is the best of the Matt Mosley Show this week on ESPN Central Texas. I'm Aaron Saxton, and we have a great show lined up for you today. We will have Campus Confidential, as we do every day. That's coming up at 440, the latest in college athletics. We will also hear some Of Matt's best interviews from over the past couple of months. We'll hear from Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. This year's edition is out now. You can pick up a copy at the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. But Matt was able to talk with Mike. He wrote the cover story for this year's edition. We'll hear that conversation coming up in a little while. We'll also hear, speaking of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, from former Texas great Priest Holmes, as he was a member of this year's induction class of the texas sports hall of fame matt was able to catch up with priest and talk to him about that about his playing career his decision to attend the university of texas and much much more but first we'll hear matt's conversation with baylor men's basketball head coach scott drew about all the new additions to the bears this year and about the announcement of the bears non-conference schedule here is that conversation
2: we do have scott drew scott uh I'm glad to have you on. Were you in the portal? Were you looking in the portal? I, I That's what I told our audience, that you might have been running a couple minutes late because you are adding to this roster, which has seen a lot of change. I do not recall any more um, any more roster management that you've had to do in the 20 years we've known each other.
3: Well, I think I think we just uh, uh, tried to set a record this year, and uh, it, hopefully it's something we don't beat for a while, and that is because um, we've, we've been so consistent in the past with having uh, uh, players come, spend time, graduate, but now uh, players leaving early for the NBA portal, uh, everything. It does change things, but uh, one thing our staff's always done is we've always adjusted, adapted. We'll continue to do the same, and at the end of the day, Uh, I know uh, the Baylor family going to be really uh, excited with uh, what we finish with and uh, who's representing uh, our great university this year. So um, it's tough nowadays, too, because, you know, the NBA deadline just was on the 31st. So basically Mm -hmm. all those players that were in there that are now in the portal – you're right, you've been recruiting all day, been recruiting every day since season ended. But uh, I think in the next two weeks, pretty much all the rosters should be more stabilized and, and people will know exactly who's with who and where they're at and uh, what to expect in the in the year to come. Any thought
2: with Jalen Bridges uh, deciding to stay? There's also thought that he could end up in Australia. Um, it, do you kind of have a timetable for when Jalen – might let you know because obviously maybe that could influence additional moves you might want to make. And I know you want to be respectful of the process, but also obviously everybody would love Jalen to return. How do you kind of manage that, being supportive of players while also knowing you got to have your roster together and you can't be leaving holes out there? Uh, you know, by by waiting uh, around forever.
3: Uh, and that—that's why the 31st is so tough, because you—you—you—you yeah. uh, you, you, you definitely want great players and great people to come back and spend another year representing your university, and you spend another year coaching them. At the same time, the coach's job is to help players reach their goals and dreams. And if that is uh, the NBA, which the players we coach, it is, um, and they have that opportunity, you want to support them and and help them. Uh, have that opportunity. So really, it's a, it's a, it, you're, you're left in limbo and it's a, a fact gathering information based decision usually. And you just try to help, uh, your players as much as you can with that information. And then obviously their agents do the same. And at the end of the day, they weigh that and then make a decision. And then you have to have your alternative plans, your backup plans and everything else ready to go. And, uh, like with, uh, uh, um, bittersweet with Adam because we'd love to have him back, but excited Mm -hmm. for him to have an opportunity to uh, reach his goals and dreams. And same with Jalen right now. uh, uh, um, We'd love to coach him. We'd love to have him back. We'd love to have him finish his degree at the same time. uh, uh, We we need to support him and, and uh, uh, help him gather whatever he needs to make a decision that's best for him and his family. Uh, Hopefully he'll, uh, we'll know something with him sooner rather than later in the next week or so. And uh, same thing with uh, uh, other guys that we are we are uh, uh, still recruiting because uh, uh, summer school is, is taking place at most places. And that means we can work out with our guys and you want to have your team together so they can spend time bonding, especially with so much turnover nowadays.
2: Right. And what, by the way, what is this Australian future thing that's going on? I know players sometimes go straight from high school over there, but this this is new to some of us. That there's some avenue where college players could then end up over there for a year or whatever before trying to go in the NBA. Scott, is that relatively new, or has that been in place and we just hadn't? Some of us haven't uh, uh, noticed that that's what's happening.
3: Yeah it, it it's an avenue that not as many people pursue or take but it definitely uh is an avenue and that's that's again uh I mean it's a tribute to to basketball how it's grown worldwide and how many different places play it and uh, uh different opportunities there are for young people out there so um uh that that's that's definitely uh, something that's been around and uh some players have gone just not a big majority normally uh on the 31st it's 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 the nba or back to college but uh again uh jalen's going to weigh out what's best for him and his family and we're praying it's back at baylor university
2: i hope so too now uh scott drew joined the matt mosley show espn central texas what about ray J? I mean you know i'm, I'm sure you kind of reached out and touch base with him right when he went in the portal great player out of the mac but you didn't know who was coming back. I mean, some of that stuff was up in the air, uh, and he was looking at the NBA. What, what first led you to reach out to Ray J, and, like, why do you think he would be a good fit? Other than the fact the guy scores nearly 20 points a game and was an unbelievable player in the MAC. But what makes him a really good fit uh, for your program?
3: Well, I think uh, uh, he has some some characteristics that uh, uh, we really look for and people that have played here um, have have had and excelled with. And um, that starts with somebody that's a a great teammate and a great worker. I mean, he spends a lot of time in the gym and has gotten a lot better. Um, Someone that's more of a late bloomer and – is somebody that uh, the Mac conference has had a ton of uh, great teams and players over the years. And to be Mac MVP and to win conference for his, his school, he's done a great job. But his, uh, the other thing is you, you look at uh, assist turnover ratio, 209 assists, 71 turnovers. I mean, that's a three-to-one ratio and does a great job getting teammates shots. He's really improved his three-point shooting to 36%. Uh, from the you score as you said twenty points a game and that's accurate, but when you shoot fifty two percent, you're efficient doing it and that's really important. Uh gets to the free throw line uh at a good rate. Um and somebody that uh uh players wanna play with because uh he's a great he's a great teammate and uh people enjoy being around him. So uh that sounds like a Baylor player to us. Someone that lives in the gym, great teammate, high character, great family, really excited. To work with them, and I know uh, uh, the Baylor family is going to love watching
2: what, what about the defense? Um, you bring in Jaden Nunn as well from VCU. I don't think we've gotten to talk about him. Um, you wanted to get this defense back where Baylor basketball is used to playing defense. What, what about this group of guards? And obviously, you got some great front court players, too. What, why do you think maybe this group will be able to kind of get you back to where We expect Baylor basketball to be from a defensive uh, standpoint.
3: Well, I I can tell you that uh, uh, in the portal, you'd be hard-pressed to find uh, a much better defender uh, than Jaden Nunn. So he's somebody that uh, uh, has, has athleticism, length, wingspan, foot quickness. But he also has got a toughness and a heart to play defense, very similar to uh, your Davion, your uh, Mark Vitals, like uh, uh, guys that really thrive in that uh, role. And he's somebody that shot 40 percent from three. So um, he's not somebody that uh, is not efficient on the offensive end. He just uh, 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 didn't have as many attempts. Uh, with their team, uh, but somebody that's efficient on the offensive end and defensively is an all-conference type defender. And um, last year, defensively, uh, that was an area where uh, we we weren't what we normally have been in the last few years. And uh, hopefully, uh, um, it always as a head coach, you always take the responsibility upon yourself. Hopefully, uh, I do a better job in putting our guys in position to be successful and. Uh, then with the uh, the players we brought in, hopefully uh, uh, they're able to uh, learn what we do defensively. And, and with the size, length, that always does play come into play. And um, I think we've improved some of those areas. And we'll finish out recruiting and then know exactly what we have. But I think uh, everyone's going to be excited with uh, um, the potential we have on the defensive end this year
2: did you see Davion's new tattoo Davion Mitchell Sacramento Kings put that out the other day I know you've been busy in the portal uh and having to do a lot of things did you get a look at the tattoo it it's a very Baylor intensive tattoo
3: I think it's probably the best tattoo I've seen in uh, uh the last few years so uh <laughs> great great look and uh just love that uh, uh he uh cares about Baylor that much that he would want that so uh um definitely impressive uh, uh piece of art there did you think about
2: a national Similar title
3: the tattoo you got mosley on your chest
2: yeah that was what i was going to ask you did you ever <laughs> did anybody did you ever consider a tattoo when you were in college or even after that national title i mean nobody would have blamed you for maybe put getting a little tattoo of the uh, of the championship trophy or something on your ankle or maybe a back hey, tattoo I, I,
3: Hey, hey, never never say never, but uh, uh, I'm one of those guys, I I, I I don't like that kind of pain, man. <laughs> Dave Yon's a tough guy to endure all that.
2: <laughs> that was a lot of art, wasn't it? I mean, that was very intricate, um, all, the, uh, all the art. Boy, Ray J. Dennis, by the way, being from Chicago, I bet when John Jacobs found that out, I mean, that was—I bet Jakus was in your office in a heartbeat. I mean, anything that has to do with Chicago, Jakus gets very excited about. That's a—that is a great place for basketball. But did did John's ears perk up a little bit on that deal?
3: Uh, Coach Jakus—he does love his Chicago. A lot of shy town in him. Uh, Jason Smith, a huge uh, uh, Chicago guy too. So uh, definitely, and and I tell you what—if you've ever eaten up there. I mean, they got they got some great restaurants, but uh, uh, I can tell you that uh, uh, basketball wise, they've had their fair share of good players and, uh, in in the '90s. If you weren't a Bulls fan, you knows. probably weren't watching it's basketball. Crazy. So, um, uh, again, Ray, Ray J, somebody that's played great competition all throughout high school, college, and somebody uh, uh, excited to to have that opportunity to do that at uh, Baylor University now, and we can't wait.
2: Sounds like you're going to do something else in the portal here, or you're at least open to it. Um, is that? I mean, is that the read I'm getting? Now, again, you'd love Jalen Bridges to return, but I'm getting the sense you're not finished here with the way you're sounding and talking. You already have a lot of talented players on the roster, but there there could be an addition. Is that is that the read I'm getting?
3: Well, if it's if it's the right players, we uh, you get 13 scholarships, so we definitely have room left. Um, we won't add somebody to add somebody. We would only add someone if it makes our team uh, uh, a better team and gives us a chance to reach a better chance to reach our goals and dreams. So we are really selective uh, I remember uh for the longest time um we never had thirteen scholarship players uh and and i my guess is we wouldn't be there this year um but uh I don't see us being being done if we get the right. Uh, Individual for our program.
2: With with Dale and LJ leaving, that's that's surprising for your team. Y'all just have not had players leave. I guess that's a sign of the times. It's the movement. It's the NIL. It's all everything, but that is that is very unusual for you. Is that just a sign of this is basketball and we have to adjust to this, um, or was that those special instances? Because obviously you thought the world of both of those players, it's just usually y'all don't lose someone you don't want to lose.
3: Yeah, uh, that's that's been one of our main strengths to our program is the consistency, continuity, and uh, um it's It's something that that me and our staff have uh, personally had to get used to is just this is this is more the climate and what's gonna be because uh, we, we that's not something that we're 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 used to. Um, now with with uh, uh, players when they graduate, uh, that that's a little bit different from the standpoint they have a degree and you feel great that they got a Baylor degree. Um, players that lead before they get a Baylor degree, that's a little harder for us because we know the ball is going to stop bouncing. We know what a Baylor degree can do for them life after basketball, and we want them to be successful uh, uh, throughout their life. So um, I, obviously you feel a little different when someone – uh, leaves and they have a Baylor degree versus when they're close to having one but don't get one. Um, at the end of the day, but that that's that's the culture you look at across college athletics and doesn't matter what school people uh, uh, tend to. Uh, uh, it, it, grass is always greener on the other side until you get to the other side. Then then you find out it's not always that case.
2: Are are we are is Baylor doing pretty well? You feel like in the NIL space, um, you know. I mean, do we need like people like Ashley Hodge to step up their giving? Scott, would that be nice? Do we? Do we? Uh, but I mean, but, but do is is the are the Bears up to speed with where they need to be? And and do you feel pretty competitive in that NIL space?
3: Well, I, I, one thing uh, I love is. Uh, our, our university always does a great job in making sure we're not putting student athletes in harm's way. And when an I.O. got passed, we wanted to make sure it was done the right way. And um, since that time, uh, uh, Mac Rhodes and the university has done a great job in uh, putting uh, safeguards and guardrails in place, but at the same time, making sure we are competitive and making sure our student athletes uh, have an have an opportunity to uh be rewarded for their name image and likeness so uh I- can can you always uh uh have more, bigger, better, whatever. I think everybody would always take an extra scoop of ice cream for dessert. But uh at the end of the day we're 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 doing really well uh uh thanks to uh uh the leadership of Mac and uh, President Lynn Lind- Livingstone and just uh everyone uh in the Baylor family. So uh we're we've been uh uh the winningest uh college program in men's and women's basketball and in football. Uh, now for over 10-plus years, and I see uh, a lot of success continuing across the board uh, for Baylor Athletics uh, because of the leadership we have at our institution.
2: All right, and then Eve Missy. I wanted to ask you about him. Reclassifying, going to be in this 2023 class. I mean, that class was already a great one with Miro and Jacoby Walter, the best shooting guard in the country. Um, That just makes that class... Scott, I've seen, I'm trying to remember if the re-rankings, it may be like number four or five in the country. At least it's a top ten recruiting class in the country. What does Eve give you? I mean, obviously, you you got to have time for these players to mature. Is he someone who can, with his size and athleticism as a shot blocker, rim runner, can you get some help from him immediately is this a guy you want to kind of ease into the action where 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 do you uh, see him as he arrives on campus
3: uh someone with a lot of potential a lot of ability uh again freshmen have it tougher than they've ever had it because it used to be a freshman came in and they competed against sophomores juniors seniors an occasional fifth year player but nowadays they come in and they're they're competing against a lot of fourth year a lot of fifth year an occasional six year guys. So uh, as I like to say, an 18 year old comes in, when was the last time um, someone was 12 or 13 years old beat you? And that's virtually what our guys face when they come in as freshmen and all freshmen across the country, because there are 24 year olds in college and there's 25 year olds in college. And that isn't the, the eclipse or the exception, but That that's that's more the rule, meaning most teams have older players rather than younger players. And when we gave the extra covid year, that was probably uh, it it was a blessing for those that got another year. And it was also uh, they always say a blessing and a curse. There's a lot of uh, high school uh, student athletes that haven't gotten scholarships because of it in uh, uh, recent time.
2: All right, and then um, one guard that we weren't mentioning today that's still with you, Dantwan Grimes, was able to redshirt last year. I mean this this guard, this group of guards, especially with your two freshmen, Ray J, None, your defensive stopper, we'll call him uh, Langston, who was one of the top recruits in the country, and then Grimes is a guy who flies under the radar a little bit. But as I recall from that uh, watching him in that one tournament. Um, kind of thick, can defend, obviously has the ability to get to the rim. Uh how's he coming along?
3: Uh he's doing great. In fact, he's uh working out right now in the gym and somebody that uh, uh loves to be in the gym, loves to get better and uh, uh iron sharpens iron. So that's that's uh, uh at the end of the day, if you're around guys that uh love to be in the gym, love to work, uh make you better. That's how you get better and it's 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 not a, a, a sprint. It's a marathon. And, again, guys that uh, want to have a chance to play professionally and make a living doing this game, um, each and every day they just got to get better. And uh, Dan Tuan is one of those guys that uh, is, is working hard each and every day and uh, excited to uh, have an opportunity to show the Baylor uh, uh, family what he's uh, been able to learn, progress, improve in. Um, but somebody that uh, – uh, like. A, all our players, talented, hardworking, and someone's got a lot, of t- a lot of ability.
2: All right. Last thing I had for you, that uh, first game against Auburn gets announced November 7th, I believe, at the Pentagon. Uh, y'all had a good performance there against Gonzaga. That's kind of a neat facility. I think you enjoyed that experience. What did you think about uh, of that announcement and, and uh, kind of a fun way to, to open the season?
3: Well, last year was an unbelievable game. Tickets sold out in six or seven minutes. Uh, We won that game at the buzzer. Uh, They did an unbelievable job of making a special uh, environment for our players. Um, Banners on the wall of our team, uh, of our players. Uh, A lot of things in the locker room for our guys. So, I mean, uh, they really enjoyed being up there and we thought no better way to kick off the year than start right back up there. So, uh, Auburn's uh final four team in recent history and coach pearls a great coach so uh right out the gates you find out where you got to improve and what you got to get better in
2: all right it'll only be in like the 20s at that point right it'll be kind of nice and balmy probably high 20s uh <laughs> low 30s as you get there we're getting
3: out of there before december for sure
2: (laughs) (laughs) all right well keep us posted exciting news coming out of the portal and uh more to come and uh congratulations on ray j and um coach really uh really appreciate the time and and uh great to catch up with you
3: congrats to you i mean you your, your daughter helped uh Uh, win a state title so that's big time i know you're proud about that and uh uh, we're putting you in charge of recruiting in your area so get it done
2: yeah no pressure at all i felt i felt some of that from other staff members okay so y'all need to knock that off but that would be a very happy day for all of us all right scott thank you
3: take care have a great day
2: Uh, all right there he goes scott drew On the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Listen to
4: ESPN Central Texas online at CentexSportsFan.com.
6: How about serving delicious Central Texas-style barbecue and all the fixings at your next catering event? Hellberg Barbecue caters all-size events, from small birthday parties to large corporate gatherings of over 800 people and full-service weddings, including appetizers, charcuterie tables, and more. And they feature a catering rewards program for repeat customers, including a rebate on additional jobs, plus a rebate on new catering jobs referred to Helberg. Learn more at hellbirdbarbecue.com.
7: In business since the 1940s, Alamo Steel of Waco delivers over 30,000 tons of steel nationwide every year. And now they're looking to grow their team. They're hiring fitters, welders, machine operators, maintenance and electrical technicians, and supervisors for their plant. Day and evening shifts are available. After 90 days of full-time employment, Alamo Steel offers a comprehensive benefits plan including medical, dental, vision, short and long-term disability, life insurance, 401K and more. Full-time positions offer 40-plus hours per week. PTO begins day one of full-time employment. Hourly employees are paid weekly. At Alamo Steel, they believe in above-average pay to attract well-qualified individuals. Apply in person Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, 2784 Old Dallas Road. One block off I-35 in Lacey Lakeview.
4: Listen to the Matt Mosley Show online at SyntexSportsFan.com. Elevate your career with a new job at Time Manufacturing
0: Company. First, second, and third shifts are available. CNC machinists start at $21 an hour. Welders start at $22 an hour. And second and third shift differential is an additional $250 an hour. Time Manufacturing is a leading global manufacturer of vehicle-mounted aerial lifts, digger derricks, bucket trucks, and bridge inspection equipment. Drop by their location at 7601 Imperial Drive in Waco to apply
8: For over 30 years, you've counted on the family of D'Amore Fine Jewelers to make life's most precious memories unforgettable. D'Amore specializes in full custom designs, including custom CAD renderings, 3D wax printing, and a team of friendly custom jewelry experts. D'Amore Fine Jewelers will be there for your custom engagement ring when she says yes, and
4: for the next 30 years. Thank you for choosing DMRA Fine Jewelers. Fine Sports News, streaming, and show podcast at syntechsportsfan.com. Matt Mosley, ESPN Central Texas.
2: Now joined by Priest Holmes. Priest, this is so much fun to get to visit with you. Congratulations, another Uh, hall of fame i was just looking at it i this is somewhere around like either sixth or seventh hall of fame uh you've been inducted into but they i guess they never get old do they priest
9: no they never get old and uh coach Ramil with the kansas city chiefs my uh coach there he'd always say man whenever you have an opportunity to collect some hardware you need to take it (laughs) so i definitely am excited (laughs) about the opportunity and the award
2: Now, what did you think when you were called about this one? You're already in that high school hall of fame, but the Texas sports hall of fame, that's a, that is a really, you know, big deal in the state. It's a wonderful place. Um, What was your, what were your immediate feelings when you got contacted about this one?
9: Yeah. When Jay Black originally called me, I thought it was a mistake. The re- here's the reason why I say that, because <laughs> I was under the impression that I had already been inducted into the Hall of Fame there in Waco. And then uh, when I saw the email, that was my first uh, impression. And then I said, OK, well, maybe I'll talk to him and he'll, he'll let me know he made a mistake. So I ended up following up with a phone call with Jay Black there uh, with the Hall of Fame there in Waco. And he says, no. That's one thing. That's high school. This is now representing the state of Texas as an athlete that's contributed. And I said, you know what? I'm pretty excited about the opportunity, and I gladly will accept. So I'm glad to be a part of this uh, new group that's going to be being inducted this uh, weekend. I'm excited, and uh, I'll have my family there as well. We'll be driving up from San Antonio.
2: What a class. Uh, I mean, Robert Brazil was on me the other day. Scott Drew, local legend with Baylor. Uh, Michael Strahan. Uh, I'm sure y'all ran up against each other from time to time. I mean, that's got to be kind of neat to look around. Even Carlette Gidry, who's a great runner at the University of Texas. I mean, it's a it's a, a sterling class. I mean, these things are always stacked. But this one in particular, Priest, that's got to be kind of fun to look at the other names and to think about some of those storied careers.
9: Uh, it really is and so I probably can't run as fast as uh, Miss Guidry, but I tell you what, uh, <laughs> we're going to give her a run for our money in terms of who's going to have uh, uh, the, the greatest speech. I guess that's going to be happening. We're going to be all competing for that. So you know, it's one thing about being an athlete, whether you're a female or a male, you're always going to be competitive. And uh, I'm excited to see the uh, individuals that's going to be inducted. We'll have an opportunity to meet each other uh, right before we get everything uh, kicked off there uh, in the evening time. But it's going to be pretty exciting. And like I said. Not only have I played with some really great running backs in the same backfield and also against uh, running backs uh, in the National Football League, uh, but the talent is always there. You can see it today. You know, kids are getting bigger, stronger, and faster. Uh, and now that they've got some of these uh, likeness and images for kids that can get paid now, I think it's going to open up the door to even better athletes, and they're going to have more opportunities.
2: Priest Holmes joining us on the Matt Mosley Show. Can you get some back pay? On some of that NIL uh, priest, I mean, my goodness, those jerseys over the years, uh, I think you would be able to dip back in and and, uh, and receive some of those proceeds.
9: (laughs) Yeah, you know, there was a a funny time, uh, you know, during the time that I played. Um, Unfortunately, the only thing that we were able to probably share in is that there was always this infamous a set of car keys that floated around. We don't know whose rental car it belonged to, but everybody had a <laughs> chance to drive it. So, But now, you know, the kids have much more of an opportunity to benefit off their likeness and image and, you know, uh, hats off to uh, to the system that's allowed for that to come underway and the judges that have uh, uh, fought in the favor of the, the players. And so I think it's an incredible opportunity. Um, the kids just going to have to make sure they've got some risk management uh, in front of them so that they can uh, uh, have someone there to help them, guide them, you know, because that's a lot of money that they're going to get a chance to uh, get their hands on to at a very young age.
2: Now, who did you look up at the University of Texas? All those storied running backs, which you became a part of. Was it Earl? I mean, you're a little too young to – I mean, you do remember him, obviously, because, I mean, we're about the same age, so you saw him when you were a kid running for the Oilers. But was that the, the back, or was there another running back at the University of Texas that you, were, you kind of you wanted to emulate or, or that you loved growing up?
9: Yeah, so to say emulate, uh, for me, I had a little bit of a different story and a different road of, of finding out that person, who that was. Uh, for me, it was, unfortunately, wasn't not someone at the, at the University of Texas. The reason why I say that is because I'm originally from uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas. My parents were mm-hmm. in the military. dad was Army. My mother was Air Force. And so once they got stationed in San Antonio, that's kind of what brought me to San Antonio. And so I uh, had, a, had a wonderful time growing up. But there was two teens that I remember as a young kid growing up. This is even before I started playing football. I didn't start until maybe the age of 12 uh, when I started playing football, uh, which was like around sixth grade, middle school uh, is when I started. But um, when I talk about someone I would emulate, well, there were two guys, right? Um, On Sunday, you would see Earl Campbell with the Houston Oilers, or you would see Tony Dorsett with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, for years, I'd watch – Earl Campbell but for some reason I know I didn't look like him so it wasn't believable for me to ever say I could even (laughs) be like that or run like that but there was another person that was you know right down uh, I-35 that um, played for the Dallas Cowboys and so that particular person was of course Tony Dorsett and so as he began to run and as I began to grow I say well I I think I kind of look like him I can act like him when I'm playing throw up tackle football on the street and so for me, the emulation was uh, for Tony Dorsett, and so it wasn't until maybe my, my fourth or third year in the league, so this is like now close to 1999, 2000, when he was in Baltimore, uh, which was the first team that I was with for four years. He was in Baltimore with his nonprofit, and he was doing some fundraising and there for an appearance. And so I got a chance to finally meet him, but that would be the person I would say when I was growing up, it wasn't it wasn't Earl because I didn't look anything like him. I knew it wasn't going to grow any bigger to look to be that size. But uh, there was someone that was playing for the Cowboys at that particular time uh, in Tony Dorsett. So he would be the one that I emulated uh, before I got to the University of Texas.
2: So the 99-yard touchdown—do you remember as a kid watching that, the famous one on Monday Night Football against the Vikings? I bet you've—if you weren't watching it live—you've seen that
9: a million times. Absolutely, I've seen it. I've uh, you know played it back on VHS is back in that time uh, <laughs> when what we had to watch it on. Uh, and even to this day, you know, um, and and I you know I know his son Anthony Dorsett as well, and played against uh, Anthony, his son, uh, while we were in the league together, but. Uh definitely one that I kind of uh tried to emulate and I said, you know what, if I can do anything, I know I'm gonna look like him. I, I can I can I can juke like him and I can get up the sideline like he can. And so that's kind of what took me there. But I tell you what though, even though I may have emulated him, I had an opportunity and very fortunate to play with some uh, along the backfield with some really great uh, outstanding backs, you know, all the way from Ricky Williams to Eric Rett in Baltimore to Jamal Lewis in Baltimore. And, uh, you know, all these backs I took a little bit from. And so that's what I really would say. Uh, allowed me to hone my game is because I actually played in the backfield some really good guys and so I always had to find a way to uh, you know have the edge or find a way to get into the starting lineup or get into the rotation and of course when you go to the University of Texas it was always back then in the early 90s it was running back by committee so you had the best back that was in San Antonio you could have two backs that were the best backs in, in in Dallas Texas that would be on the same team and so we always were trying to fight for an opportunity to run the ball.
2: And so Ricky shows up when you were hurt, right? And and so that had to be interesting. Uh, I mean, it was it was interesting. You get to the Chiefs, and you just you just blew up. And, and I'm sure in your mind you were like, well, I was just waiting for my chance. But that deal you signed with the Chiefs, I don't even think the Chiefs could have ever thought you would end up doing what you did there. Uh, But all those times and going through injuries, how much did that help you and fuel you, you know, having been out at Texas for that uh, almost a whole season, as I recall, uh, how much do you think that helped you down the road and kind of being ready for your moment?
9: Yeah, it really did help me. You know, I uh, blew out my knee just – and it was in practice, and so it was in the spring. So, you know, UT this past this weekend, they're actually going to have their spring game. So, it was literally a few weeks before. You know, if you think of spring spring ball for the University of Texas this weekend, it was just maybe a month before that that happened. I was on a just a normal play. I uh, was running downhill in the A gap. I get the ball. I run about twenty yards. I'm at the end of the run, getting ready to go run another play and I turn around, and Stoney Clark, one of our uh, defensive uh, linemen, he stumbles and then barrels right into my knee. If any other practice, any other day, it wouldn't happen. This particular day, he falls down as I'm turning around to go back to the huddle and uh, Uh. blows out my knee, right? And so um, that happens in the spring, like right around this time of the year, and then right after the spring, Ricky and then um, Sean – Come in to the University of Texas, and Sean was a junior transfer from uh, Blinn. And these two guys come in here, and they're primed and ready to go. Uh, Sean Sean Mitchell's a junior transfer, and then Ricky Williams is is a herald of you know baseball player slash running back with all this upside and talent. And he you know he comes in unlike any of us that are already in college. We don't even know what it means to be already drafted, and now coming in as a freshman, we don't even know what that looks like. But you know we get a chance to see Ricky Williams and kind of the mystique that that he had, and everything that. Uh, <laughs> He brought to the table, um, but it really did talk, teach me one thing is because I remember when I was getting ready and I had just had my ACL repair and Sean and Ricky were coming in, I had to make that that tough decision, you know, do I try to, do I try to just get in the rotation with these two guys right now um, or do I really look at where I'm at with my injury and evaluate what's going on? And I remember, I don't know if you remember, they used to have these uh, knee braces, they called them Don Joy's, and i'm telling you mm-hmm. they were they looked like the size of a uh, of a refrigerator around your knee you know <laughs> and and it wouldn't allow you it wouldn't allow you to for me it puts you on like a railroad track where you can only go north and south. And I wasn't that type of runner. I was a perimeter runner and I could, I could cut back against the grain and I could be shifty. And so I knew at that point, when I went into uh, that camp, when Ricky and Sean were coming in and I said, Bucky Gobble, who was my running back coach, I said, you know, I I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to be me with this Don joy brace on my knee. So maybe I need to be able to just rehab this while these guys take over and they were two touted you know, young players coming in, so they were ready to go. And it was—it proved it right. I believe Ricky had a little bit under a thousand yards. I think he finished with 900 yards his freshman year, and I believe Sean had over a thousand. So that duo definitely is what we needed, and it kind of brought back the running game once again. But for me, it was all downhill, and it was always like, you know, here comes the doubt creeping in. It's like, okay, you know, how do I get through this? And but. You know, I stayed the course, stayed in the weight room, stayed working out. Um, I was always known to be a student of the game. So that's what really helped me to stay on track. And then when I got an opportunity to get back into that rotation, when we went into that inaugural year for the Big 12 championship, um, it gave me an opportunity to kind of have these guys, they got it. They're really good running backs. I can sit back here and rehab and get ready and, and, and wait for my opportunity. And, you know, when I got that chance, that call to be able to go up to Baltimore, and even with Baltimore, I was undrafted. And that was an opportunity just to go show if you can just participate and make the team. You know, it it wasn't a guarantee. But, you know, through it all, I think that all of the the perseverance and and the wherewithal that I had to go through, it definitely developed me to be the type of player I am. And it gave me an opportunity that when the opportunity um, opened up for me, I could take full advantage of it.
2: What was your signing bonus in Baltimore for an undrafted rookie? Do you remember
9: I don't even remember, but I can tell you what, I don't think that it could I I would probably say about twenty five hundred dollars if I if I'm thinking that. And and when I and when I think about that twenty five hundred dollars <laughs> I, I'm thinking like, what in the world am I thinking? Because, you know, I come into my rookie season and we've got first round draft picks, you know, second round draft picks. We've got guys showing up with the, the latest car uh, and, and, the, and you know, the latest thing that you could think of. They were showing up with it. But, you know, for me, it was just a journey, uh, I guess, to my story. And I, I can remember. I couldn't even tell you what I might have done with the twenty five hundred dollars. I really couldn't tell you. But I believe it was around that number. And uh, I was shocked to even know that, that was they had a number like that. I'm like, what is this? You know, uh but at that time, you know, coming out of college at the University of Texas, it was obviously more than what I had at that time. And then I was going with an with not even a promise, but just an opportunity to go see what I can do. But the reason why I chose the Baltimore Ravens was that I knew the starting running back was Mam Morris. I knew, second, that the the backup running back was Ernest Miner. Ernest Miner was 35 years of age, um, and, then, and then their starting back, Bam Morris. I knew that anything that Bam did in practice, it would never look like me, and everything I did would never look like him. So I said, okay, I at least have an opportunity to show that I'm a different type of back, and I can run the ball in a different way. And it's funny that even though I was thinking of all that and trying to strategize how I could make the team, Ted Marshall-Broda still came up to me and says, you know what, Priest? And Tim Archibaldi was the oldest coach in the league at the time. He comes to yeah. me and he says, Breach, you're not going to run the ball one time this year. I'm going to give you an opportunity to make this team, and you're going to make it on special teams. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you what special teams was. I didn't even play special teams when I was at the University of Texas. <laughs> I may stood in the backfield and, and caught a kickoff return once or twice, you know, and that might have been in practice, but I had never really been on special teams throughout my entire career at the University of Texas. Um except for, like, maybe filling in on a kickoff return. But other than that, never played. And then I get my first year in the league, and now they're telling me you're not going to play running back you're only going to make this team playing special teams and I got to just figure this stuff out, you know? So I think that for my (laughs) career, you know, early on, you know, I had the setback with the injury that was just one of those fluke things that probably would never happen, but it did happen. And then I get to the league and I'm thinking I'm about to go into this, just awesome where guys get paid. You got these opportunities, you got the big house and I come in there, I said, $2,500. What is this buy you? You know, but uh, you know, it it was all worth it. And uh, you know, I, you know, I guess that with that being said, it it definitely allowed me to go into the league in a different way, and so my appreciation for the you know my my position and where I was at that particular climb, you know it 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 was it gave me the opportunity to develop in a different way as an athlete. Um, there was one thing, on. said to me, Ernest Binder said to me, he said, "Paris there's one thing. There's two different type of players. There's the football player, right, and there's the professional football player. Which one do you want to be? You can figure it out." But most of the guys that are just football players are not going to be here that long. But the professional that comes in here and knows the playbook, reads the film, watches the videotape, and takes his position seriously, regardless of how much money he makes, that professional player is going to be here long, a lot longer than that football player. And so I took those words to heed, and uh, I think that those things stuck to me and allowed me to have an 11-year career.
2: Boy, I bet it was an awesome career. Ernest Beiner, you're way too young to have played with Ernest Beiner. I was thinking about him with Cleveland. I'm like, there's no way Priest Holmes played with him. But like you said, that's the end of his career at 35 years old. That is so uh, interesting. Now, what about fantasy football? I bet people still bring that up to you like crazy. All of us that were playing that and living vicariously, you were one of the great fantasy backs of all time because you caught the ball, you ran for huge yardage you scored constantly that one year you had what Priest? like 27 touchdowns or 20 I mean it was it was an unbelievable number but I know there's some funny story I was reading recently about you realizing for the first time how big a, a star you were in fantasy football maybe something that happened to you when you were in Vegas
9: absolutely so I was in Vegas and I was there for an appearance I think we were at the Hard Rock um, Casino or Cafe or one of those uh, uh, casinos that are there. uh, And that I was there for an appearance, but there was also some fantasy football um, players that were participating and that these guys actually had just won over $350,000. I had no idea. They had no idea I was going (laughs) to actually be there. But as we were actually crossing in the lobby area, as I was going to my appearance and they were finishing up, uh, they heard that I was there and I was coming through. And so because there was security and all of that stuff like that. So I'm coming through. And so, you know, they rushed to me wanting to meet me. And they are telling me about how I helped them win $350,000, just something incredible like that. And so I I think that was pretty (laughs) awesome. Um, I I can tell you what that when it was fantasy football in that era when it was just being introduced and you know you know I and I was really at the forefront of my career uh, it really did put my name into the households of you know tons of people that participated with fantasy football and even to this day I still have people that you know uh, give pay homage I guess you could say and you know they uh, you know celebrate and get excited about the fact that uh, you know I won them their fantasy football league I won them money uh, and all of that stuff so even to this day you you know, 16, 17 years after I've done playing. And, you know, and, and at that time, if you remember that early 2000s, you know, fantasy football was something that was more outlawed for even current players to even participate in. You know, you couldn't have anything to do with it. And so, I, I, to this day, even though it's many, many years later, I've actually never had an opportunity to sit down and play fantasy football. I know tons of people that have, and they talk to me about it all the time, but I've never played the game myself. But I think it's uh, pretty, pretty awesome because it brings not only men, and women together in a workplace and, you know, they have a lot of fun. Uh, um, they create these groups and they have their players and they discuss them, you know, throughout the year. So um, I hear people talking about it. and It seems like a very fun, fun game.
2: Yeah, don't ever start, because then, yeah, you, you don't want to get involved in that. Of course, people will still tell you about their teams. That's the worst, is people go around talking about their, their teams all the time, and you're like, wait, I played. I do not need to hear about all of this. <laughs> now, what about your family? I, I feel like I read that your sons have played some uh, football as well, and were playing at the collegiate level. What's, 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 what were their careers like, and, and how has that gone?
9: Yeah. So my, my, my sons, uh, two of my boys, uh, Jacobin and Corian, uh, they definitely have participated on different levels with collegiate football. Uh, they decided both to hang the cleats up, you know, that, that, uh, that, that, that football desire or dream has, has, has passed them by. And so they've decided to go on with their lives and, uh, you know get into the professional working field but during the times where they were in school they definitely had some some really good um some really good years uh, they got some great accolades while they were there and broke some records and stuff like that um i had a receiver and a running back uh in the two of the boys and so and they've always they played football you know back when they were you know little league and all that good stuff like that um but yeah they're not participating in anything like that now they're going on and you know they now got the the reality of the real world you know i am saying so <laughs> i tell them you can't hide in the bubble you know like you you know, most of the football players, you get to, you know, like for me, I was able to continue to hide in that bubble of, you know, the football world, you know, and so then you you finally retire, you got to come into reality of like, mm-hmm. okay, I got to go make my own, I got to go make my own breakfast. <laughs> Wait a minute, I don't get served <laughs> for me every day no more, you know. So yeah, it's um, it's it's been a great time, and I'm proud of proud of my my boys and everything like mm-hmm. that, and so yeah, they'll be joining me, and they'll be there um, uh, for the induction, so we'll have some fun this weekend. Yeah, one of them I think did it. One
2: of them play in Belton. Did I see Mary harden Baylor? I mean, that's pretty. Uh, I mean, that is uh, that that's a big time uh, school it, it wins national titles. So that's yeah, uh, yeah. That, yeah, that's yeah, pretty he, awesome.
9: Yeah, he definitely does. Yeah, Corion was there uh, on the team for a couple of the years. Uh, decided mm-hmm. to to hang those cleats up and go with the yeah. accountant, a CPA. So I told him I said, well. Yeah, guess what? I said, uh, you'll be handling more than $2,500. I'll tell you that's what, that's what I started <laughs> off with when I left school. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, I mean, from San Antonio Marshall to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, and you deserve all these Hall of Fames. I mean, it's like Missouri Hall of Fame. I mean, they, you just go right through them, but uh, we're excited for you, and people can still, I think there may be a couple spots left. T, that's uh, tshof.org for the big, uh, that's this coming... Uh, uh, Saturday night, and uh, that's going to be a great one. And I'm glad it wasn't a mistake. Uh, I'm glad that uh, you get to be in the Texas High School Hall of Fame and the Texas Sports Hall of Fame priest. Uh, it's going to be a fun class, and I really appreciate you taking the time. I've loved watching you. I mean, you you had too many yards against my alma mater. I feel like half your yards in college came against Baylor, so I'm still a little hurt by that. But uh, But it's been fun watching you over the years, and congratulations to you.
9: Absolutely. I appreciate the call, and thanks for having me on.
2: You bet. There he goes. Priest Holmes uh, going to be inducted coming up on uh, Saturday night. And, of course, that uh, again, that's Texas Sports Hall of Fame. That's TSHOF.org. For more information on that, you heard him talk about Jay Black, the executive uh, director. Genesis does such a good job and uh, helping me connect to some of these folks. And, man, very, very exciting. We had Robert Brazil on the other day, the Pro Football Hall of Famer. And then Priest Holmes, I mean, the numbers he put up. uh, And, again, like some of these other players, um, uh, I think of Terrell. You know, I think of uh, the player, you know, from the Broncos. I think of some of these players that just were – it was quick. But, man, for about a five- or six-year period, he put up huge numbers. And uh, it's pretty – pretty awesome to uh to get to visit with him this is is espn central texas all right there's something fascinating that i wanted to talk to you about and it involves well i had that bad neck injury uh almost three years ago in a bike accident and so i still you know have issues and pain and that kind of thing and you know when people have that I mean, you're looking, how could I do something where I don't have to have surgery or I don't have to have constant steroid shots? Let me tell you about QC Kinetics, the new advanced regenerative medicine treatments that can restore and repair damaged tissue in your bad joints, providing lasting relief with no drugs, no surgery, and no downtime. All-natural way to use highly concentrated healing properties from your own body to give you lasting relief. All right, if you've got joint pain, due to arthritis, knee pain, hip pain, shoulder pain, uh, neck pain for me, don't just think the old ways of dealing with pain. You need to learn more about the new regenerative options that can change your life. Now, here's the number. Listen to this. 254-415-415. 4100. That's 254-415-4100, that's QC Kinetics,
0: 254-415-4100. Sometimes we say that a person has a wealth of experience.
3: I'm Joe Caleo of the Caleo Wealth Management Group. Accumulating wealth is like gaining experience. Both demand hard work. If you'd like to grow your hard-earned wealth, let me
10: put more than 25 years of experience to work for you.
6: Clayo Wealth Management is a Central
10: Texas team of UBS Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC.
4: You're listening to ESPN Central Texas, live from the Allen Samuel Studios.
6: Qualifications and rules apply. See Genco FCU for detail. Warning, free
11: Genco Kasasa checking may lead to a rise in disposable income due to cash back on everyday
3: debit card purchases, refunds on ATM fees, and eliminations of so-called service fees. Increased satisfaction may result while operating your Genco debit card. If you suffer from chronic money loss, search for help at any Genco branch office. This has been a financial health advisory courtesy
12: of Genco FCU.
0: My money, my future.
12: Campus Confidential is brought to you by Jim Turner Chevrolet, where
4: they say we're just a heartbeat away in McGregor, and we treat you like family. Check them out at TurnerChevy.com. It's time for Campus Confidential, our daily look at college football news. Here's your host, Matt Mosley.
1: It is Campus Confidential, brought to you by Jim Turner. I'm Aaron Sexton. Matt is on vacation this week. We will start Campus Confidential today with some Baylor men's basketball scheduling news. Baylor and Duke will meet at Madison Square Garden in December when the perennial top 25 teams and past national champions play each other for the first time since an Elite Eight game in the 2010 NCAA tournament. Both schools announced the matchup that will be played in New York on December 20th in the historic Madison Square Garden. In the only other previous meeting between Duke and Baylor in men's basketball, Duke beat Baylor 78 71 in the South Regional Final in Houston in the 2010 NCAA tournament. Also, in news regarding Baylor men's basketball's schedule for the non conference schedule for the upcoming year, John Rothstein reporting that Baylor and Michigan State are finalizing an agreement to meet on December 16th at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, according to multiple sources. So if that works out, Baylor would open the season in South Dakota against Auburn. They would play Michigan State at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit on December 16th, and then play Duke in Madison Square Garden. Quite the non-conference schedule for Coach Drew and Baylor men's basketball. The SEC is having their media days for today and tomorrow in Dallas, and they have announced that next year, like the Big 12 did this year, they will have their media days in Dallas. The SEC announced today the announcement from uh, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey that the 2024 SEC media days will be held in downtown Dallas July 15th through the 18th next year at the Omni Hotel. Next year, we'll see Oklahoma and Texas join the conference after departing the Big 12. So for the first year of Oklahoma and Texas being in the Big 12, the SEC will have their media days next year at the Omni Hotel in Dallas. More news on the Northwestern front. Not a huge surprise that their top recruit, their top football recruit, linebacker Nigel Glover, freshman linebacker Nigel Glover. He was the top recruit in their 2023 class, a four-star player from Ohio. He has announced that he is entering the transfer portal, of course, the uh, school-fired head coach Pat Fitzgerald on July 10th. Also, uh, in news concerning Pat Fitzgerald and the Northwestern Football Program, a former Northwestern football player is suing former uh, former Northwestern football coach Pat Fitzgerald, the university president, and the athletic director. They're all listed as defendants in the lawsuit filed Tuesday morning by a former Wildcats player who said the program and its leaders were negligent in allowing hazing inside the men's locker room. The lawsuit also lists the university, its board of trustees, and former president Morton Shapiro as defendants. The player filed anonymously, but the lawsuit says he was a member of the team from 2018 through 2022. His lawyers say they have spoken with other former Northwestern players and expect additional players and Northwestern athletes to join the lawsuit in the coming days and weeks. We talked about SEC media days ongoing. Texas A&M head coach Jimbo Fisher talked to the media today about new offensive coordinator Bobby Petrino, and well, his answers were kind of open-ended Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher told ESPN that the fallout from relinquishing his play calling duties to new offensive coordinator Bobby Petrino has been vastly overblown and then went on to insinuate that maybe Petrino won't be calling the plays. He kind of (laughs) mid-sentence stopped from saying Petrino would call plays. He said, quote, Why wouldn't you bring in someone like Bobby who's done it at the level he has? We get along as well or better than anybody I've coached with. He'll make us better and knows that I'm going to be in the offensive room some, but going to be in the defensive room some too. So it is not clear whether new offensive coordinator Bobby Petrino will be calling the plays or not next season for the Aggies. In college realignment news, stop me if you've heard this before. The Pac-12 are saying, again, for probably the 20th time, that they expect to release details of their highly anticipated media rights deal in the near future. A league source told ESPN Today the deal will not be announced at Pac-12 Football Media Day Friday in Las Vegas, The source told ESPN. It's likely to include a mix of streaming and linear options and is expected according to the source, to be on par with what teams in the ACC and the Big 12 are making. So we will see. We've had rumors of an announcement for almost six months by the Pac-12 as far as their media rights deal is concerned, so we'll see if it actually happens this time. That's Campus Confidential, brought to you by Jim Turner Chevrolet, right here on the Matt Mosey Show on ESPN Central Texas.
4: From the Allen Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Studios, this is KRZI Waco, K222DC Waco, K265DV Temple, ESPN Central Texas.
11: The deals at Mission Golf Cars in Waco are hotter than the Central Texas sun. Through the end of July, Mission Golf Cars is offering smoking deals with financing rates as low as 0% on all-new EasyGo and Cushman Golf Cars, off-road buggies, cruisers, and utility vehicles. Plus, we're beating the heat by cooling off prices on our wide selection of used inventory for the golf course, the farm, the neighborhood, or the job site. Come shop our full line of EasyGo and Cushman vehicles in our air-conditioned showroom in South Waco or online at missiongolfcars.com. Financing provided
4: by Sheffield Financial with approved credit. See dealer for financing details. ESPN Central Texas is your home of the Texas Rangers.
2: Got chronic joint pain? Not having success with steroids, but trying to avoid surgery. Well, thankfully, there's a better way. And it's now available here for the medical professionals at QC Kinetics. It's Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. I'm talking about new advanced regenerative medicine treatments that can restore and repair damaged tissue in your bad joints. Providing lasting relief with no drugs, no surgery, and no downtime. QC Kinetics, nation's leader in precision regenerative medicine with over 100 clinics across America and literally thousands of satisfied patients. If you got joint pain, due to arthritis, knee pain, hip pain, shoulder pain, don't just think the old ways of dealing with pain are the only ways. You need to learn more about these new regenerative options that can change your life. Call QC Kinetics now. Free consultation with local medical professionals. 254-415-4100. 254-415-4100. That's QC Kinetics. 254-415-4100.
5: Did you know there are more Lego figures than there are actual people on Earth? Did you know that a well-known fast food chain once created bubblegum flavored broccoli? Or how about that gorillas burp when they're happy? Hi there, this is the Foundation Doctor and I like teaching you new things. When it comes to foundation repair, there are a lot of things to learn and you can get overwhelmed in a hurry. What kind of piers? How do they work? What kind of warranty? What about my plumbing? don't get overwhelmed don't get sucked into that vortex of this guy versus that guy or this method or that at the foundation doctor we offer more methods and options than anyone in town we've been doing this a long time and we know what works let us teach you what we know and guide you through this most challenging process it doesn't have to be painful so give the doctor a call today 863-8800 or look us up on the web at IneedThedoctor.com.
9: So for doors that are sticking
8: and cracks in your walls, the Foundation Doctor will make
4: a house call. ESPN Central Texas is your home of the Texas Rangers. Now back to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. This is Matt Mosley's Matt Mosley show.
2: And we're joined now by Mike Craven, Dave, uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. And uh, Mike, big announcement at noon today, and it was uh, the cover of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Congrats, by the way, getting to uh, write the cover story for this. And I assume you were maybe at the cover shoot and all of that. Uh, but. Um, the winner is this year Sonny Dykes, which seems very appropriate. Uh, Mike, did, I'm surprised that uh, Matt Stepp didn't try to, like, scoop you guys on this big announcement <laughs> today.
10: Uh, he, he has an NDA sign, so he wasn't able, wasn't able to do that. But, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a fun process to go through. It feels like this year it was a, a relatively easy decision on the college side. Uh, with what TCU was able to accomplish, making it to a national championship game. His father being on the cover, uh, him being so ingrained and kind of as a Texan, you know, grew up around the state, was at Texas Tech, um, you know, kind of was found by how Mummy coached there at Kentucky, then followed Mike Leach over to Lubbock. So, you know, a guy who's just been influenced by a lot of the people who have influenced football within the state of Texas. The first time we've had a father and son, you know, on a cover because Spike was on it in 1990 so it was cool um getting to hang out with Sonny and write the story for sure
2: all right and could y'all not get sunny to smile i mean this seems almost like a bit of a i don't know if you would call it a smirk or just kind of a—I mean that <laughs> is kind of Sonny's face on the sideline he's not doesn't he's not always smiling over there what um what was the uh how did the tell tell us a little bit about the the photo shoot and uh and kind of how you narrowed it down to this photo. I mean, I like it. I like the arms crossed. And, you know, the, and I'm wondering, does Sonny get to pick like, hey, Sonny, is there a pullover you like, or is that, do do you, does the SID bring out several choices and your photographer, you know, has a big say in that? How does that all come down?
10: Yeah, he comes dressed the way he'd like to be on the cover. So that's just what he was wearing when he met out with us at CCU about a month and a half ago. and. I believe the photographers have some ideas. They talk with Greg Kepper, our managing editor, on some ideas. I know he wanted to kind of do a darker uh, format. Reginald Samples, the head coach of Duncanville, is, is the secondary cover. So they try to, you know, kind of make those match a little bit, uh, went with kind of the darker cover. But uh, honestly, I just kind of hang out. You know, I'm just the writer. And so... Uh, I hang out. I follow them around. I pick up any color I can. Sometimes they're a little bit more relaxed. They'll tell you a story you can use as an anecdote and things of that nature. So it, it's kind of a fun deal. Uh, the story was mostly written uh, by that day. But I what I find interesting, if you go back and you look at the 1990 cover, you know, Spike's got a big smile. I mean, he's chuckling on, on the cover of the story. And, you know, Sonny and Spike are, are a lot different. You know, Sonny, Sonny was more. You know, with his mom growing up, he didn't see Spike all that much. He, he told me for the story that Spike probably saw four or five of his athletic games his whole career. And, and Sonny played baseball at Tech. So he played, you know, a lot of sports. And, and so they were different guys. I, I think Sonny le- leaned more towards Mike Leach in a lot of ways uh, than Spike Dyke. So I, I thought it was kind of cool that they had different facial expressions. It, it kind of illustrates the differences between those two
2: what is spike so you're saying he was smiling i'm trying to think what i what i think of when i think back in my mind of spike like if he had a ball cap on a lot or was he a non ball cap did you i'm sure uh, you went back and looked at the old spike dykes uh, cover to see how yeah, that he
10: was, uh, yeah he was mostly a ball cap guy but in in, a, in our photo he's kind of leaning up against the window of his office with the, with the practice field with the stadium behind him Um, And he's, he's smiling, he's chuckling, you know, and and the story is a lot about how spike is this jovial King of West Texas. who knows everybody who's at every single Rotary Rotary club uh, membership knows all the lions club guys, right? He was just, you know, an on the road at golf courses hanging out uh, with the people kind of dude. And I think that's the interesting part about Sonny is he, he's kind of a mixture between spike and Mike Leach. You know, Sonny was more about the relationships and the program and the culture and, and not so much the X's and O's, but but what you do inside the program, the brotherhood that you build, that culture wins championships. And then Mike Leach and How Mummy, I, I feel it came from the opposite direction. Not that they didn't care about culture, but it was more about the system. It was more about X's and O's. It was more about the air raid and the analytical part. And when Sonny went to Cal, he tried to be Mike Leach. He tried to be How Mummy, and it, and it didn't work. And I think one of the lessons he learned was to kind of combine in what his father did to kind of be more of a friendly, jovial guy who. You know, let people in more, was more about the culture, more about pro- uh, program building. And those two systems combined uh, worked out in his first year at TCU. Right, Mike Craven,
2: joining us, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Now, how how much space do you get for something like this? Now, you know, I'm a longtime writer, so I think in, in you know measurement of, like, inches for newspapers, which is generally a long story, would be somewhere in the neighborhood of about 40 inches did you get uh, – is this like a five-, six-, seven-page type uh, type story we're talking about?
10: Yeah, newspaper terms, it would be about a 70- 70 to 73-inch story, uh, 2,500 words. Um, and so, uh, it's, you know, what's funny about – you know, I did this with the Jeff Traylor, uh, Joey McGuire cover last year. You know, when you sit down and you think, oh, man, 2,500 words, that's going to be a lot to write. Then you start doing it, and you know you're trying to tell everybody's life story in these magazines. And, and I've had the chance to do two of the covers now, and they were they were about guys who are, are all about Texas high school football. You know, like Jim, you do one on Jimbo Fisher. He's not from here; it may not mean as much to him. You know, Sunday's dad was on the cover. Joey and Jeff were high school coaches, and so you know, there's a lot of story to tell. And you start writing the story, and you realize 2,500 words really isn't enough. You know, everybody's got a book worth of stuff about them, uh, and so it's trying to isolate the most interesting parts try to find the best anecdotes and you you trim it down to 2500 believe it or not
2: yeah uh i used to have trouble trimming but with newspapers the editors just start cutting when they're on deadline (laughs) right And you don't really have much say you've been in the newspaper business so you know about that did you talk to him about the thought of hey are these is this a one year you know one hit wonder type deal lightning in a bottle Everything worked out beautifully. They had all these comebacks. Did that, I mean, is there any thought? As, as it's kind of like you make it a national title game, and then, of course, you got to roll it back and go, okay, can we do this again? I think people are picking Texas to win the conference. You would think, hey, TCU, with what they just did, might even have more respect than ever. How did, did some of that angle uh, come up as you were kind of visiting with him uh, or was it more just about he and Spike's relationship?
13: Yeah, I mean, for
10: the cover story, it's more about his relationship with Spike, his, his relationship with the Air Raid and Mike Leach, and how Mummy and how he kind of combined those two systems into one to, to make it work at, at SMU and then at TCU after the failures at Cal. You know, but I also do the team sections for each of the programs at, at mm. the FBS level, so I, I also wrote you know the TCU section, and you know that stuff comes up for sure and. You know, he's very honest about it. One of the things I like about Sonny is he's not somebody who's going to blow smoke up your butt. And so, you know, he knows he lost, you know, his best player, his most talented, or at least his most productive player at literally every single position group on his offense and defense. The idea that they're not going to take a step back would be asinine, right? Like, they're not Georgia. They're not Ohio State. They're not Alabama. They don't recruit at the levels to just replace. You know, Quentin Johnston with another five star guy and Max Duggan with another highs and finals that, that that's fairytale land stuff. But what you can do is take a minute, small step backwards uh, to prove that they're here to stay, that it's not just a, a one year wonder. Now, if they go five and seven, six and six, seven and five, I think those questions are going to be asked and, and they are going to be fair because he didn't put together that roster. But if they can go nine and three, maybe even eight and four, and those losses are pretty close, respectable losses, and they're in the Big Twelve championship race come October and November, I think everybody will look around and go, "Hey, man, TCU's got something going on." You know, they, they backed up a really strong year with another really solid year, and so expectations can be tricky. Uh, you got to keep them in line somehow, and in college football, that's never going to happen. And when you go twelve and zero, you know the the problem becomes the ceiling is now the floor, right? Like what used to be a great year mm-hmm. at TCU may not feel like one of them. And I think Baylor fans kind of understand that after the Sugar Bowl run as well. And so you're just, you're trying to be realistic with it. Like Baylor wasn't going to replace, you know, Jalen Petrie, Terrell Bernard, JT Woods, RJ Sneed, Tyquan Thor. They weren't going to replace those guys and be as good. Uh, you're just trying not to take as big of a step back. But I, I think, you know, year three, year four, uh, those are more telling seasons on what the staying power is uh, for TCU, uh, for sure, once they start getting their own players in there.
2: Now, Mike, how many covers does TCU have all time now? Uh, I'm just thinking Gary had to be on the front at one point. I'm certain of it. I don't know. You would think the Texas Tornado, Kenneth Davis. Do you know off the top of your head the stats on that, Uh, the the Horn Frogs? Of course, I'm wondering how many Baylors had as well. I bet Baylor. Certainly, Taff was on it. And you'd have to think Singletary was on the cover back in the day. Uh, but, um, but now do we know you, cause since you've just been working on TCU, do you have a ballpark on how many TCU covers we've had?
10: I believe
3: it's four.
10: The last one, 2012 with Gary Patterson, I would have to go, uh, check on that one for sure, okay. but I believe it before, now that we're talking about it, I think a very good June or July story idea would be to count all the subjects on the covers and kind of make a graph and see kind of who's, what team's been represented the most maybe what team's been represented the least.
2: Yeah, I would say probably University of Texas is going to win out although Mr. Campbell, you know, tried to fight for the other the other guys over the years, you know, and uh uh but um yeah, I would say University of Texas with their dominance and the readership and all, you got to think about, okay, what cover is going to make the most people read this? And I get that. Sure. You're going to you're yeah. going to end up with the big boys some of the, some of the times, and the Aggies. And you know, bringing back a few years ago it was like, is this the new wrecking crew? Now you can only say that. How many how many times we said that over the years, Mike? Is it over oh, the Aggies? Do they have their wrecking crew again? Uh, but that was that was a, a few years ago. By the way, who um, did you get to dig in on Baylor? Uh, and I'm just sort of curious what uh, Baylor seems to be a real X factor going into this season with some really fine skill players. I mean, they're they're a, I think they're a lot better at skill players than they were last year, but some unknowns. On the lines, the offensive and defensive lines, and then of course Blake Shape being named the starting quarterback. What what was your overall thought after maybe talking to a few folks uh, from the Bears?
10: Yeah, when I when I sat down with with Coach Aranda, he was very honest about kind of his failures last season. You know, he he was hesitant to go into the transfer portal because he didn't want that to be a betrayal of the guys who had been there that kind of bled for him and sweat for him, uh, cried for him and stuff. And he you know he's a guy. He, he talked about building bridges between, like, love and truth and that he comes from the love side and he wants things to be the way that they should be, and sometimes they're just the way that they are. And so, you know, he looked at last year and he thought that the team lacked senior leadership, that it lacked kind of an upperclassman led team like the one he had in 2021. And so he pivoted, uh, credit to him, and went to the transfer portal. And, and like you mentioned, you know, he got better at a lot of different positions, at wide receiver, at running back, offensive line, even tied in. Then defensively, I think they did some stuff, too. Now my thing with Baylor, and I've had this conversation on a few podcasts now, you know, my my favorite, my my part with Baylor isn't the Blake Shapin thing. It's not the offensive stuff. I I know it's not apples to apples, but Baylor averaged more points per game last year than they did in 2021. They weren't crushing people. You go back and you look at the last six or seven wins of that 2021 team, they weren't winning 42 to 35 or anything like that. They They were winning with low scoring points. What happened last year to me was the defense. You know, they didn't give up more than 30 points one time last year, and that was the loss uh, to TCU back in 2021. Uh, And then last year they did it, I think, six times, you know. And and so when you're in a bunch of small, close-margin games where you're not going to score 40 points, where it's going to be 27 to 24, uh, and there's not much margin for error, you have to play really good defense. And Baylor did not play really good defense last year. So, you know, we can have the quarterback conversation and all that kind of stuff, but to me, what I'm interested in does is, is Baylor get better against the run? Do they create more turnovers? Do they get better as a scoring defense? Because that's how they're going to get back to 9-10 wins and compete for a Big 12 title.
2: I like that. And the young man from Liberty, that Mike Smith, who I'm sure they talked yeah. about, I mean, he's uh, he stepped in there. These portal guys are different than some of the portal guys from the past. They're not just complementary pieces. I mean, these may need to be, and they might actually be, some of the best players on the team that are going to step in immediately. You know, and TCU had some – I mean, that's that's one of the things back to Sonny Dykes, that he's done the portal well. At SMU, it was probably heavier portal. But, I mean, think about some of the stuff TCU did. I mean, who was that? Somebody from the Naval Academy that came in, and it's kind of like wasn't even really – no one was going after him, ends up starting for the Frogs and and playing a big role in things. Like, it it just – the portal has just changed life as we know it, and uh, I think Baylor got religion um, and decided, hey, we might need to do a little more portaling. And by the way, that's happening with Scott Drew. I know we're talking football today, but the, the Bears that uh, was you know it was taken away from them in the portal, and now they're having to get more aggressive in the portal. So we're we're seeing it at, at, at you know different uh, football and basketball.
10: I mean, this is all about evolution, right? I mean, coaches at every single sport and even in business and my life and your life, I mean, we all have to adapt. Like, things that are true today weren't true last year, and it doesn't matter if you like them or you don't like them. You have to go win. This is a business. You know, Dave Aranda getting paid a lot of money, and six and seven is not going to do it. Like, that's just not going to cut it. The the expectations have been raised in Waco, and they should be, you know, with the money and the facilities and and the Big 12 opening up without Texas and Oklahoma and the playoff expanding. I think everybody sees what TCU did last year and, and, frankly, what Baylor did in 2021 and goes, look, we can play with the big boys. We can get on that stages now. College football, you know, the, the country club is, is becoming public in a way. And so and I think if you're a Baylor fan, you have to have those expectations. And it's felt within that room. And to Aranda's credit, he found a fault of his that he didn't do a good enough job as as a coach. And he's going about fixing it. I think in this industry, you run into a lot of coaches that just kind of do it their way or the highway, and they may go down with the ship. I think one of the cool things about Aranda, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad, he's very self-reflective. He's going to look at himself and see what he can do better. I'm interested to see uh, what those transfers do, because to your point, you know, during spring, they were getting talked about as some of the program's best players, and not only best players, even. So it'll be interesting to see what lessons we learn from that.
2: All right, come see us in Waco, Mike. Eight home games. Yeah, I mean you'll have plenty of opportunities, and uh, and good work on your story about the lack of diversity in some of these uh, you, never, you know these Texas programs, uh, the 13 schools that are, have Division one programs. I found it very very interesting. Well done, and uh, it was just kind of you know surprising to see the lack of representation. I think Houston and Rice, the only uh, black coordinators um in in of those 13 schools as you talked about and and, and you wrote about so i do want to I, I hate that we're running out of time here but i did want to tell you i read that and um and, and a really good job in fact aranda the only um diversity hire uh the only minority head coach is that right currently there were three charlie strong frank wilson sumlin at one point um Uh, And and now it's only Dave Aranda. Is that correct?
10: Yep. Aranda is the only minority head coach in the state. Only four of the 26 coordinators in the state minorities, as you mentioned, only two of them black. And there is not a single black quarterback coach, offensive line coach uh, in the state. And from our research, those are the ways you become a head coach, right? You coach those position groups. You become an offensive coordinator. Then you become a head coach. I think nine out of the 13 uh, coaches in the state went that route. Uh, and there's just not um, all the black coaches or running back coaches or wide receiver coaches or defensive line coaches. And so, you know, I, I think the diversity is getting better. And th- there's some coaches in there that are quoted to talk about how, you know, it's a lot better than when they joined as a coach in the 80s or 90s, but they're still not getting into those spots uh, that may elevate them. And it reminded me a, a lot of like what the black quarterback conversation was when I was growing up, how. You know, they kinda of got moved away from the ball and maybe they could play wide receiver, but not necessarily quarterback. It kind of seems like that's true within the coaching ranks and it's just something that, you know, I found interesting over my trip in April that I only talked to two, you know, black coaches my whole trip when I went to thirteen different universities
2: yeah not on the offensive side of the ball mostly unless yeah. it's wide receivers coach or running backs coaches and uh, that's it's been that way I think for a long time but I think it's worth pointing out and uh, and looking into Mike good to uh, good to visit with you congratulations on another cover story and uh, we'll look forward to that now tell folks when they can get their uh, copy of Dave Campbell's Texas football magazine when does that that's kind of the start of summer for a lot of us when do those things hit the the newsstands and the grocery stores and all of that
10: and now, nowadays you can subscribe at texasfootball.com and you'll get the uh, magazine a few weeks early in late late June It's that the press is right now being printed uh, in terms of just brick and mortar find it in your h-e-b and that kind of stuff it'll probably be July 4th-ish around that weekend is when they'll start showing up in uh, newsstands but uh, I would I would uh, suggest going to subscribe um, you get the magazine, you get the recruiting magazine in the winter, all the stuff, all the digital stuff we do as well.
2: All right. We'll do an audio portion, okay? We we should be able to <laughs> get like a <laughs> – if we want to be driving down the road and read your story in your voice, uh, I would recommend that. But, uh, Mike, good to visit with you, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon.
10: All right, sir. I appreciate the invite. You bet. There he
2: goes. Uh, that is Mike Craven. And uh, Mike uh, is with Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. And today the announcement went out at noon, That um, and, they, and they put the picture out there. In fact, I'm looking at it right now. I'll retweet it in case you guys follow me on Twitter. I'm at Matt Mosley. Are y'all still on Twitter? Did y'all get mad at Elon? Anybody still on Twitter? I, I bet you are. Um, I'll retweet it as we speak. But uh, Mike Craven wrote the uh, cover story on it, so good to visit with him. This This is ESPN Central Texas. Are you tired of living with chronic pain, knee pain, joint pain? Listen carefully, because now there are new regenerative treatments available here. Hi, it's Matt Mosley, Matt Mosley Show. QC Kinetics, the nation's leader in regenerative medicine, is now open, giving lasting relief to people with joint pain, with no surgery, no drugs, and no downtime. QC Kinetics has over 100 clinics nationwide and has treated thousands of patients with incredible success. Their advanced protocols are an exciting way to manage pain from arthritis and injury without surgery or steroids or pain pills. If you got pain in your knees, shoulders, hip, or back, well, that's me, you need to check out these new treatments. They can actually help your body restore and repair itself. Call now to schedule your free consultation with the local medical professionals at QC Kinetics. Call 254-415-4100. 254-415-4100. That's QC Kinetics. 254-415-4100.
4: My house has a new
7: glow. I love my-
11: Universal That's Universal Or call 254-301-7760. And be sure to check out their great Google and Angie list reviews. I
13: love my windows. They've got that brand new home effect.
14: Universal Windows Direct. Drive it forward with the First Central Credit Union Auto Loan this summer. First Central will donate to your local Boys and Girls Club when you refinance or get a new or used auto loan. You save and every auto loan activates a donation to be given to your area after school programs. Plus, you get to keep your cash. No payments for 90 days. It is money for kids and a new ride for you. Visit FirstCentralCU.com today for details and apply online. Everything we do, we do for you.
4: Remember NCUA. Listen to the Matt Mosley Show online at SyntexSportsFan.com.
12: Are you ready to break ground on your next commercial construction project?
1: com
4: Find sports news, streaming, and show podcast at syntechsportsfan.com. It is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Paul
2: Biancardi um, uh, joining us now, director of recruiting for ESPN. And uh, Paul, always fun to visit with you. I've loved your work on this Bronny James, uh, and and it's it really cool that you have the perspective, uh, perspective, you know, of of having gone after and recruited LeBron back in the day when you were at Ohio State. This has to be one of those full-circle moments for you. How cool has it been to to kind of watch Bronny and then see him uh, make his commitment to USC the other day?
15: Uh, You said it best, Matt. It's just a full-circle approach. That's the way I looked at it. When I first watched Bronny James as a rising freshman, I was like, oh, wow, this is LeBron's son. And I was recruiting LeBron at the same stage. And then after a year or so went by, you know, Bronny became his own player. Uh, he he got away from being LeBron's son and, and being Bronny James. But it is really cool to see someone like LeBron, which is something you see once in your lifetime, and then to see his son come up through the ranks and really make his own name for himself in the game. And I think that's what people don't understand when you're the son of an NBA player, and certainly LeBron James, a, a legend in the game already, why he's still playing, you know, there's a lot of criticism, and, and sometimes there's, there's a lot of praise, uh, sometimes both a little out of whack. Uh, he's handled it extremely well, and uh, I really enjoyed covering him as a player uh, over the course of his four years, and now he's going to take that next step to USC. and He, he finished inside the top 20. In our rankings, and he started as a sophomore uh, at number 25. So you know, he fluctuated over time, uh, but he really improved himself as the years went on, and that, that's his greatest attribute.
2: What do you think it is about uh, USC? That other than because you could make the argument maybe it'd be good to get away from uh, family and and, and kind of do your own thing, but maybe he does want to stay home. There are all sorts of pressures that no matter where he goes are just inherently going to be on him. What was it you yeah. think about that program? I mean, they have another unbelievable recruiting. You know, in 2023, um, I mean, it. You know, you've got somebody I think ranked what number one in the in the entire class. What was it about that program and that coach you think that, that, uh, that Bronny decided to commit there?
15: Well, a couple of things. First of all, Bronny's parents, LeBron and Savannah, had to be comfortable with the situation. Because when, when you have a child and you're LeBron James or any other celebrity, you have to be, you have to be careful of where your son is going to be and who's he going to be with. I think they felt really comfortable with Andy Enfield. Um, and and his staff, easygoing guys that have done a a tremendous job out there in Los Angeles. You know, They were one of the better defensive teams in the country last year, USC. And I think now with Bronny James and and a top recruiting class coming in, yes, they do have the number one player, Isaiah Collier. They have some other excellent players as well coming in. And Collier's a point guard. Bronny's a combo. Uh, Seeing Bronny play was important with LeBron's schedule I'm sure that that makes it a lot easier being right down the road at USC. Comfortable with the staff, style of play, and who he's going to play with. He was really comfortable with Isaiah Collier at the McDonald's All-American Practices. They were both on the West squad. Uh, They did a lot of drills together. They looked comfortable playing with each other in the scrimmage and practices. So I, I think that had a large part to do with it. You know, who he's playing with, who he's playing for. And I I do believe staying out West was something that was important to the family. Uh, He had a chance at Oregon as well. A lot of people talked about Ohio State because LeBron, when he was growing up in Akron, we were recruiting him uh, at Ohio State. And then the staff after us came in and built a good relationship with him once he got into the NBA. So I think that was a, a viable factor as well. But ultimately, staff, who he's playing with, style of play, and location with the determining
2: factors. Paul Biancardi joined the Matt Mosley show ESPN Central Texas. What about uh, Eve Meese? Uh, Coming in to Baylor reclassifying 2023, you know, I immediately was texting you. Okay, now what does this make the class? What's the (laughs) what's the rankings now? And I don't know how quickly or, um, you know, what what it's what it's like when you have one of those reclassifications. But I, I, I would think this probably didn't catch you by surprise. There's probably been talk that he was thinking about this the whole time um, and I don't know if that changes because of Baylor losing some players or being thin at certain positions I don't always know exactly how that works but when you saw that is is this a player that that truly can have that immediate impact or is this a is this a pretty raw player what are we talking about because I know he's ranked very highly by you and your staff
15: Yes, first of all, we had a lot of information that this was going to happen. It was more a question of uh, when it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But it had to be comfortable for Missy and for the Baylor staff. There has to be you know, a gap, an opportunity for him to come in and not just practice and develop, but actually get meaningful minutes. And I think when you look at their roster, uh, that opportunity exists. He got ranked um, in the final class rankings in 2023. We put him into the senior class, and he finished at number 50, which is a tremendous ranking, uh, considering you know he reclassified up into guys that he really didn't play against all that much, or he didn't mm-hmm. get analyzed against. He got analyzed with the guys in his class. So now he went up against older, bigger, more established players in the game, uh, more talented kids. But if you're in the top 100 um, of these rankings, you're, you're one-tenth of 1% one of the entire high school population. And, and the reason I say that is there was a study a couple of years ago. There was, there was approximately 100,000 high school seniors playing basketball. And, and from that, 1,000 more or less go play on Division One level, all levels of Division One, So it could be Stephen F. Austin. You know, it could be Texas Southern. It could be Baylor. It doesn't matter. But roughly 1,000 kids go Division One. So if you're in the top 100, you're one-tenth of 1% of the entire population. I think he gets time right away as a shot blocker, a defensive presence, a finisher on the offensive end, and somebody who can grow over the course of the season and time into somebody who can score. Look, he's got tools inside to score. He's got length. He's got mobility. He's got bounce. He's got touch. I've seen him get to his jump hooks multiple times. Terrific on offensive rebound putbacks, or he can get offensive rebounds. uh, I like to call them throwouts for the three-point shot. So he'll give Baylor a huge lift and presence this year as a freshman. And I think it, you know, it it takes your class, Matt. As you did text me uh, like minutes after the reclassification, (laughs) you were right on it. (laughs) And uh, uh, you were number one. um, (laughs) This puts Baylor's class into the top 10, actually puts him at number eight. So Scott Drew, again, you know, top 10 recruiting class, Baylor. um, He he has just done miracle work there in Waco over the years.
2: Oh, I love that. Number eight in the class. Um, And uh, yeah, I was kind of hinting that, but I wanted to hear it from uh, I wanted to hear it from you. That's uh, that really is uh, exciting. Okay, so Jacoby Walter, when someone gets bumped up a few spots, Late, and you all kind of give your final rankings for the class. Tell me what goes into that. Does I guess you have to fold in how he looks in the mcdonald 's all American game how he looks in the the, the other couple games that he 's participated in. Obviously, it seems like he 's really finished strong before he reports to Waco. but what do you think it is that that caused you and other scouting services um, to to bump him up to where he 's now? I don't know, you probably know it off the top of your head, but it seems like he's kind of knocking on the, the top ten door as far as players across the country.
15: Yes, he, he cracked the top ten for us at number eight wow. in the final ESPN top 100 rankings uh, of the senior class. He was always highly thought of, and, and prior to that number eight final spot, he was in the, the late teens, which is a significant spot to be in. Obviously, McDonald's All-American. Uh, which is considered one of the 24 best players in the country. He had a great season at, at Link Academy, and he's an unassuming six-five scoring guard. I say unassuming because he's not very, you know, vocal. Which that has to change on the defensive end, especially. You know, he, he his game is loud, but you know he doesn't bring attention to himself. He doesn't, you know, look for shots. Uh, but he looks for shots at the right time. He played in Geico Nationals, which is the top eight high school teams in the country that are qualified to play. And, and, and Link won it all. I mean, you're talking about Sunrise, Christian, IMG, Montverde Academy, uh, Lou out of New York. These are all top eight 10 high school-ranking teams in the nation uh, to, to play for a championship on three consecutive nights one of the games, he just went off at thirty five points. And you, you just don't do that against that level of talent, that level of coaching in, in a championship format, uh, especially when the other teams at this level, they do a lot of scouting. So he he was fantastic. What he brings to Baylor is the ability to create his own shot. He knows how to get space. At six five, he has an excellent mid-range shot. He, he's a very good finisher because he he focuses on the rim and he's got good body control. And he's got plenty of athletic bounce, you know, to flush it on people. And then now, at this point in time, he's making the three-point shot, both off the dribble and off the catch. He is one of those guys who can truly score at different levels and different spots on the floor. Got excellent size. He's 5 And for a guy who's a star, he plays the team game.
2: How debilitating is that for uh uh, the Longhorns to lose Ron Holland at such a late date i mean i I hate to see it i 'm all for, i mean for player movement and that kind of thing, but boy once you commit and then you 're getting close to going and I know they had a coaching change and all that, but uh, that 's got to be extremely tough on the Longhorns team that you know well you 've always been great at talking about Texas in that roster and you 've been pretty bullish on them in the past few years. What does this do? to the Longhorns, and, and how frustrating do you think it is for that staff to have something like that happen? We're talking about uh, the number one or number two player in the country for 2023.
15: Yeah, we put Ron Hall, and we moved him up to number two in the class uh, based on you know what he did all season. He led Duncanville again, state championship, um, number two or three ranking of, the, of all the high schools in the country. I mean, he's a tremendous prospect. He's what the NBA looks for when it comes to size, basketball IQ. His skill level is improving, but his energy and motor is second to none in the class. And even with the coaching change, he stayed true to Rodney Terry. Uh, but I think what happens with a lot of these high-profile players is, is their intent is to stay at the school, but with the portal and or players coming back, it changes their outlook on what their role could be for the next season. And mm-hmm. so for him, I think with the fact that Dylan Mitchell, you know, I believe is, is coming back or just getting information to come back, um, you know, that's kind of a position that he was slated for. Uh, or Terrio Morris obviously moved on. I believe yeah, he's at Kansas right now. So sometimes players don't feel as comfortable as they did when they made their commitment.
2: Yeah, that is uh, really interesting when you see that happen when somebody is the the biggest part of your recruiting class. But I guess that's the thing about the portal. You can go find somebody else these days, and uh, Texas will not lack for talent. Let me ask you one more. Trey Johnson, 2024, uh, by some, the top. Um, I mean, I get to see him play a lot, and so in my mind, he is the top in the country. But I'm very biased when it comes to him. What do you, what do you hear? hearing about him um, headed into his senior year. He'll have opportunities to play anywhere in the world he wants. But, of course, his dad coaches at Lake Highlands, so there's reason to, to stay right home and go for another state title. What are you, what are you hearing on Trey in, in his prospects?
15: Well, first of all, we, we have him number one in the class of 2024. Um, we have him as the top player in the class and obviously the top um, shooting guard in the class. Love his size, love his scoring ability, his jump shot, all those things into one. A little bit of a Jacoby Walter type, uh, but a better shooter at the same stage. Uh, when it comes to recruiting, I mean, this is, this is going to be a heavy race. I mean, he, he is top player in the class, a difference maker for the college that he goes to, and a very good chance to be you know, a one-and-done player. And, and, and quite frankly, a high lottery pick. If he continues on this path of development and improvement, I think Baylor is right there. I think Texas, Kansas, Kentucky, if you ask me, those are the top four in my mind uh, that probably have the best chance to get him.
2: Okay, but you don't see him maybe, at least right now, going to one of these academies or you're not hearing anything along those lines?
15: Well, you know, it's interesting. With all the players, you hear different things that, oh, he's looking to go somewhere or he could end up somewhere. Uh, Right now, I think that's speculation. Uh, Only because, you know, his dad's situation, they won the state championship. You know, he is the centerpiece of the program. Uh, The great Jim Valvano always said, don't mess with happy. And Trey Johnson is very happy at his high school. Um, But could it happen? Sure. Sure. Um, the later the, the summer goes on, there's less likely a chance that it will happen.
2: All right. Well, uh, say the word, by the way, if you ever come to uh, Lake Highlands, all right, to see Trey. I bet you see Trey at a lot of these events. So, you, I'm sure you've gotten yeah. to know Richard and, and everybody. Yeah. He's a phenomenal player and a great kid. So, uh, that's going to be fun. Now, the other one, by the way, Miro uh, Little coming into Baylor. Um, is he – I mean, is, is he a, a, a starting – I mean, he may not be one and done like some of these players that have come in, but um, – but what, what, do you, what do you kind of see from him? Is he, do you have him as like an immediate impact starter-type player for the Bears?
15: I have him as an immediate contributor uh, starter and, and somebody who contributed. I mean, he's not a one-and-done type, but I'll tell you what he is. He's dependable. He's intense. He plays both ends of the court with, with the same focus and intensity. He makes open shots. He makes good decisions. He's a decision-maker, a shooter, uh, he, he's very aggressive in his game, um, doesn't fear anyone. You know, I like what he brings. I, I think Baylor fans are going to love him in terms of, you know, the intensity and the focus and the defense that he brings. You know, Scott drew I and mean, puts a premium on his defense and narrow a little and defend, make open shots, good decision maker. Uh, I think he'll start or get starter minutes uh, right from the very beginning. You know with All that they lost this year. I mean, this is a, a prime opportunity for Little, you know, to step in. They lose Flagler, right? Keontae George, LJ Cryer. so you know, it's probably a starting spot there for Mural Little next to length and Love.
2: Well, listen, I uh, I appreciate it, Paul. Always fun to catch up with you. And uh, I, Dallas-Fort Worth area is uh, producing uh, players at an un- unreal rate. And I, I'm sure it has something to do with, you know, coaching. Uh, you know, and they've had great players over the years. But I, to me, this might be the heyday. What we're seeing over the past, I don't know, three, four, five years, it's just like season after season after season. And uh, is, there, is that what you you think it's just there seems to be some great coaching, great development. What is it about the What is it about the Metroplex other than being a big place, big metropolitan area? But it does does it not seem like Dallas Fort Worth is like better than it even was seven eight years ago when it comes to a talent pool?
15: Yeah, I, I think you can say that. First of all, there, there's more grassroots opportunities for kids uh, in Dallas than ever before. So I think that. That plays a factor because when when kids can play more, they get a chance to be, you know, they got opportunities to be seen. Uh, There's better coaching, I think, than ever before, so you combine the opportunities with the coaching. And and basketball has always been a really, really popular sport in the state of Texas. We we know that other sport is number one, uh, but but basketball is real popular, and there's been some phenomenal talent come out of the state over the last 10, 15 years.
2: All right, I appreciate it. Do you ever Are you ever sort of glad that you're not uh, coaching with the NIL, the transfer portal, being like it is? Do you, are you kind of glad to be on the uh, the media side of this thing now?
15: Uh, in some ways I am because it, it, it does distort a lot of decision-making by parents and, and, and players and you know, third parties that advise these kids sometimes for the wrong reason, just strictly for the money versus the fit versus the head coach, versus the, the school, the alumni, um, and the whole experience. It, 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 it bothers me at times, and I think it's a difficult situation. But I also understand it. I've adapted to it as an analyst and understand it uh, probably better than most. Uh, so I, I think the relationships that you build with kids over the course of time can, can help you navigate it. Um, but I love coaching. It's all that I ever wanted to do, and I, I still feel like I'm coaching. I'm just probably coaching everybody's kid right now.
2: <laughs> well, it's a fun. You have a. I love your. You know what you do, recruiting director for yeah. ESPN. It's a. Uh, it's very visible. You do some great things and, and neat things like doing Bronny's games when he was on some kind of European tour. Um, you really. Uh, uh, it's a very. It's a really uh, awesome deal, and it's fun to read what y'all do. And now I'll uh, I'll put it on every billboard. You know that uh, that you have the Bears, the number eight. 2023 class, okay?
15: Well, I appreciate that. And you know, one thing, Matt, I, I do, I, I got to thank ESPN so much. I have a great job. It, it's a three-level job. It's, it's analyzing and, and ranking the best high school players in the country. Plus, we televise, you know, over 40 high school games a year, maybe more. Part of the McDonald's All-American Committee and Game And then I get to do college games as well. So I get to see these kids at the high school level. And then I see them in college, NBA draft work. So I get to touch all different levels of the game. And it's a very unique job. It's a job that goes all year round uh, because as of now, you know, we're in the high school circuit, the grassroots. Talk about Trey Johnson. Just saw him two weeks ago in Atlanta at the Nike EYBL. So recruiting keeps you on your toes and it, it keeps you in the thick of things. And
4: I love it. Listen to ESPN Central Texas online at CentexSportsFan.com. It's time for today's Modern Media Big 12 football preview. Today, a look at Coach Joey McGuire and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Here is John preview.
8: Today, we'll go to West Texas. Hear from Joey McGuire on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. That's straight ahead on today's Modern Media Big 12 football preview. Baylor, Scott & White, Hillcrest Southwest Sports Medicine and Orthopedics. Our physicians specialize in the diagnosis and treatment of all sports-related injuries. Located at the Ted and Sue Getterman Sports and Orthopedic Center on the Baylor, Scott & White, Hillcrest Campus, this state-of-the-art facility includes advanced MRI imaging, outpatient orthopedic surgery center, and a sports therapy department with indoor and outdoor physical therapy spaces. Trust the doctors that Baylor trusts. Southwest Sports Medicine and Orthopedics, our goal is to get you back in the game.
14: Hi, Kyle Sotrano here with George's Restaurant, Bar, and Catering to tell you about what's new this season. Come enjoy one of our brand new Big O' Cocktails and try some of our new items like avocado toast, Italian nachos, and shrimp and grits. You can watch the game on our 200-inch Big O' Screens at either location. Check out our new menus and party package options online at georgeswaco.com or come see for yourself. Serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner Monday through Saturday at both of our locations. George's Number 1 at 1925 State Avenue and George's Number 2 at 1201 Hewitt Drive. Sikkim Bears.
4: If you like the Baylor gear John's wearing, check it out at the Baila bookstore or 24-7 online at BailaShop.com.
8: Every team knows that the two-point play can be a winning move. That's why State Farm agent Bob Anderson and his team are here to help you go for two by combining your home and auto insurance. It's a great call that saves you time and money. So go for the win and score savings by combining your home and auto. It's just another way we're here to help life go right. Call State Farm agent Bob Anderson at 666-7557 today.
4: Now back to today's Big 12 football preview. Here again is John Morris.
8: And welcome back. Coach Joey McGuire exceeded most people's expectations winning eight games a year ago in his first year as head coach in Lubbock. There are high expectations for Coach McGuire and the Red Raiders again this year, picked fourth in the preseason poll. But he says, why not higher in 2023?
14: I don't want to say y'all are wrong, um, but you know, it is. I mean, if you go back and look, uh, you know, K State and TCU, I don't know where they were picked last year. I heard Sonny uh, yesterday talk, and maybe he said they were seventh you know and, and they have such a great year the year before that have Oklahoma State and Baylor um, I think in 2020 Iowa State played in it in 2019 Baylor played in it and so I, I do think it's a, a wide open conference I think with us we have to stay healthy we have to uh, I know this is going to be coach speak but we really do have to handle the expectation that maybe a lot of guys on on our roster have not had before and then and we've got to stay humble but we've We've got a really good opportunity to be a really good football team. I'll tell you, our expectation is definitely to do that. Uh, we just got to build on it every single week. We've got a really tough schedule. And it's going uh, to be a really fun schedule. We've got some tough road games, and we've got some really good football teams. Coming into Lubbock, I'm glad that we have uh, the two teams that played in the Big 12 championship of last year at home. That's going to be a big advantage for us.
8: That's Joey McGuire going into his second season as head coach of the Texas Tech Red Raiders, picked fourth with four first-place votes in the Big 12 preseason poll. And that's today's Modern Media Big 12 football preview. I'm John Morris.
4: The source for Baylor athletic news and information, ESPN Central Texas. ESPN Central Texas is your flagship station for Baylor Athletics.
13: A bank in any town USA treats everyone like, well, anyone. At Central National Bank, we provide Central Texans with a different kind of banking. We believe in people over processes, listening over telling, and helping our customers over helping ourselves. Come to Central National Bank and experience the difference. Bank Different, Bank Central.
11: lc presents the original duel on the brazos 2023 at brazos park in east waco on saturday july 22nd and sunday july 23rd the fastest show on water gates open at 8 a.m racing begins at 8 30 daily tickets are 30 dollars weekend pass 50 dollars and cooler pass 20 dollars get your tickets now at Submar.com. duel on the brazos 2023 at brazos park in east waco sponsored by mission golf cars waco's local easy go customer golf and utility
4: vehicle dealers brazos speed and supply socal speed shop premier innovations fun for the whole family Flinging a green and gold worldwide on the web at SyntechSportsFan.com.
12: Are you ready to break ground on your next commercial construction project? life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health
8: insurance.